It's the Alien Conspiracy Podcast. We are your hosts, Agent ETA, Agent Kruger, and Agent Anderson. Come along as we examine UFO sightings, conspiracies, and all things strange. You can follow the show on Twitter at AlienConPod. We also have an email address, AlienConPod at ProtonMail.com. We would love to hear from you. Before we get started, it's time for... Strange Events. Bizarre Facts. The Unbelievable Revealed. This is the Mind Boggle of the Week. Bone Conduction Headphones? Want to rock out but hate having something in, on, near, or around your ears? Look no further than Bone Conduction Headphones. This marvelous device conducts sound through your bones right to your inner ear. It can even help some who are hearing impaired. It has also been developed for Google Glasses, military helmets, and even advertising to train passengers leaning their heads against windows. But I wonder, could this also be used to fool someone into thinking they have received a psychic message? Some close encounters involve witnesses hearing messages that aren't spoken. What if these messages are delivered through bone induction rather than psychically? And now let's get to the show. Okay, today we are doing the strange sighting of Lonnie Zamora. It happened on April 24, 1964, about 5.45 p.m. in the evening near Socorro, New Mexico. So what happened was Lonnie Zamora is a police officer and he was, uh, he was waiting around, you know, as they do, and he found somebody to pull over and give a ticket. So as he was chasing them down to pull them over, he saw in the distance uh, to the southwest, possibly about half a mile away, he saw a blue-orange flame in the sky. He pulled off the pursuit of the car he was chasing because he thought that the flame might be the result of a local um, dynamite shack. The mayor, I guess, had a dynamite shack over there. That's something they had in the 60s. But, mm -hmm. yeah, he had a shack full of dynamite. And the, the police officer, Lonnie Zamora, thought it might be exploding, so he decided to check that out instead. Probably more important than a traffic citation, I imagine. Oh, yeah. I agree with that. So oh, he wait just, a minute. Yeah, what's up? Sorry, I was just going to say, you don't have your dynamite shack? What do you mean? Everybody has Mine got confiscated. Chat. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just haven't got to it yet. It's one of those projects waiting in the wing. I hear you. Know? you. I hear you. Yeah, after I get, after I get finished rebuilding my classic car that I got on blocks in the driveway. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so the, the flame, he described it as being funnel-shaped, and it had, like, the pointy part facing towards, you know, up towards, the, well, the sky, I guess. But the top of the flame was flat, he did not see any visible object that was producing the flame, and the flame looked like it was slowly descending. When he turned off the main highway, um, he kind of lost sight of it, because he had to turn off the highway onto a gravel road and kind of go up to get over the hill to kind of get to where the flame was. Um, so he had his window down when he was doing this, and he could also hear like a roar sound or like a roaring, which he assumed was coming from the explosion or whatever was causing this flame. Um, and he said that the roar did not sound like a jet or rocket. 
and he was familiar with both of those because Socorro, New Mexico is very close to the White Sands Proving Ground, which is a place where they test missiles and rockets and all manner of things all the time. So if you live there, you'd be familiar with these things. Now, he got over the hill, and by the time he did so, he could not, no longer see the flame, and he could no longer hear the roaring that was causing it. After that, he kind of drove slowly to look for the dynamite shack, because he couldn't remember exactly where it was. Uh, he's at this Somewhere around this time, he saw a shiny object off the road to his south, about 150 to 200 yards away. At first, he thought that it might be an overturned white car. Maybe some kids had, had flipped it or pushed it over as a prank or something like that. But he noticed that um, when he got closer, uh, he, saw, he noticed he saw two people in white coveralls beside the object. Um, they looked like pretty normal people, except that they were smaller than your average adult. They might be a very small adult or a large kid. And one of them looked at Lonnie as if he was startled. Now, the object he described, it was aluminum, white, but not shiny like chrome. Uh, he, he drove further towards it, so it's kind of a hilly area. So he drove towards the, as he was driving towards the object, after he spotted the people, the two people standing next to it, some hills obscured his line of sight again, and it took him about 30 seconds to where he could see the object once again, and when he got to that point, the people were the little people that were next to it. They were no longer there. They were gone. Uh, he continued on and stopped his car about a hundred feet from the object. The object itself was looked like it landed in a gully that was maybe twenty feet below where he had stopped his car. You know, looking down onto it, it was sitting on the ground and it was supported supported by some kind of girders or legs. Um, as he was getting out of his car. He knocked his little radio, police radio thingy that, I don't know what the technical term for that is, but he knocked it off and he, he bent over to pick it up and replace it. And while he was doing this, he heard two or three thumps, sort of like a car door closing. So he got out of his car. Didn't, yeah. Did, didn't he, uh, didn't he describe them as like a, 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 a metallic, like a plank, like a thump? Bank. Yeah. Or... Like a boink. Sorry. <laughs> Bad description of it. But yeah, no, that, I mean. And that would make sense if uh, if those whoever those 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 figures that he saw, if if they were startled by his presence, which I I, I don't know, I, I kind of find a little bit hard to believe, just because I I, I would think that the, whatever car he was driving in, I don't know what kind of car he was driving, but back then, uh, you know, cars weren't quiet, right? So yeah, you know, why wouldn't they have heard him uh, coming unless they had well, maybe maybe they said they had some kind of situation, you know, emergency situation that they were dealing with, you know, maybe that's why they landed, you know, so. I guess, uh, I guess never mind. <laughs> Continue, sir. <laughs> well, I suppose it's also possible. Let's, let's just go out on a limb here and say, what if these were aliens? They might not hear sound the same way we do. They may have some sort of completely different sensory organs. So maybe they don't mm -hmm. hear at all. Who knows? But yeah, like you're saying, yeah. it's possible that they were distracted in some way or other, mm -hmm. even if they can yeah. hear. What I get me a little skeptical on it. Sorry to, to cut you off there, uh, Agent uh, Anderson, but uh, I feel like the positioning of his body where he was standing at that time, like, would he, like, he reported that they left, um, or he, he said that they ran away from the ship, so 
where was he at the time of hearing that clank? Was his back turned? Was he not looking at the ship the whole time? I, that that does get me a little skeptical on it too. Well, but. he he was uh, he was reaching down to grab his uh, his uh, radio, right? Oh, I, okay, because it fell at that time as he was reaching. I didn't catch that when I was listening to the description and reading on it. Okay, okay. Mm. Yeah, he bumped off his little radio thingamajig. You know, you hold it in your hand, you press the button, you say one nine or five breaker, whatever. You know, whatever they say. Oh, to yeah. his dispatch. Yeah, the one that was yeah. connected to his vehicle. Right. Yeah. So he had he picked that up to put it back, and when he was doing that, he wasn't looking at the object, but that's when he heard the knocking sounds or metal clanking sounds or whatever it was. Oh. Okay. Mm. All right. Uh, how convenient. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> so, so uh, I think one of the one of the really interesting things about this is that when he had gotten closer to the vehicle, um, he claims to have seen markings on the vehicle. There were red markings. Yes, yeah. yes. And this it, it changes though, right? I've seen descriptions as a, as it's a line with a like a type of eye, but um, like I see different pictures that they have it as like a cross, but I'm not sure. Yeah, well, actually, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves there, but yeah, what happened What happened was, oh, yeah, yeah. might as well talk about it now, I suppose, since we mentioned it. One of the investigators from Project Blue Book was Sergeant Moody, and part of his investigation, what he did was, all of the people, you know, whether it was a magazine or a newspaper, or like NICAP or NECAP, as, as we say on this show, um, they, all, they were all releasing Im this image because this was a pretty big story at the time. So what Sergeant Moody did was he asked them to put out a fake picture of that um, of that insignia, and his reasoning for that, or so he says, is that this way he could, if anybody came forward, further witnesses came forward who saw the same craft, and they put out a fake insignia, he would know that they were hoaxers, and also if somebody described what the real insignia was, he would know that they had actually seen it, because they would know, there's no way they would know what the real insignia was. But the problem with this is, I don't want to go in, too much into detail on this, because, I mean, you could spend probably 20 minutes on just this insignia stuff, and it's, it's probably not that interesting. But basically, there was a lot of shenanigans going around with, like, um, uh, Hector Quintanilla sending this, this insignia out. And if it was the wrong insignia that he was sending to all the military forces to ask them if they had ever seen it, is this one of your top secret projects, etc., if he was sending them the wrong insignia on purpose, you know, that's one theory just to kind of like say, well, we did it, but nobody's seen it before, even though he, you know, he sent the wrong one on purpose as like a smoke screen. Um, that's, you know, one thing going well, that's, around. Maybe that's the answer he wanted. Yeah. And there's, there's also another, another idea that even though Sergeant Moody and Blue Book had asked all these people not to put out the real one, but to put out the fake one, they ignored him and put out the real one instead when they weren't supposed to, but there's, there's a, a lot of confusion about it. And to my knowledge, like I looked into it a little bit and we're still not 100% sure what the real insignia is, but probably the real one, at least um, blue book treated the real one was the one that's described as sort of like a half circle with, um, with a, like an upside down V under it. And then with a line through that, and then like a line underneath of it all. It's kind of hard to to describe it, so it, you know you'd have to Google it. I encourage anybody listening to go do that because it's kind of fun mm. to think. Like, what if this is some off-world craft and this is that nation's insignia? It's kind of cool, but uh, you know, 
whatever it was, you can go look it up and there's two of them out there that are the main ones. One of those is definitely it. Which one? I don't know for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, I remember, you know, and that, that actually reminds me of a, uh, uh, listening to a recording of, um, of, uh, Lonnie Zamora, um, being interviewed on, um, KSRC radio. I, I guess it was a local radio station, uh, in the area and he's being, uh, he was being uh, interviewed by a fellow named Walter, uh, Strode. But, um, I remember when he asked about the insignia, you know, can you explain the insignia? That you had seen on the craft, because I heard that you had seen seen some kind of insignia, some kind of question like that, right? He actually said, "Oh, they they told me not to say anything about that." Like, in, like that, that was it. Like he said, "Oh, he said he said I shouldn't talk about that." Interesting. He said, "Who?" He said, "He said they." They said that I shouldn't talk about that. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. You hear all these stories, and you're like, ah, maybe the men in black are real, you know? <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, government agents obviously obviously are. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's, and, and there's another, there's another, uh, well, I, I mean, maybe I'm getting a little bit too far ahead, but, uh, you know, there's another example of, um, uh, during the, uh, the investigation of the site that, that he, uh, you know, where he saw the craft and where they had found evidence, and we'll get into the evidence later. Um, there was a state trooper. This guy's name was Ted Jordan. And, um, he was taking pictures of the site and stuff. And, uh, by this point, uh, military officials had already, um, arrived, um, among, among them, um, Captain, uh, Richard T. Holder, which was, you know, one of the investigators that was, that was sent from the White Sands Missile Range. But, um, anyways, uh, the, the state trooper, Ted Jordan was taking pictures and, uh, doing his own investigation as a state trooper, you know, and, uh, they, they confiscated his, uh, camera said, no, well, uh, go ahead and give me that right now. You know, and they, they told him like, oh, you'll get it back. Don't worry. And, um, he kept on inquiring, you know, Later on, afterwards, he never got it back, and the one excuse that he did end up getting was, uh, "Oh, your 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 film was corrupted, so none of the pictures were none of them came through, anyways." That's <laughs> I've seen that many times. Looking into this kind of stuff, a lot of cases of bad film is there. There was yeah. well, response, and, and I I learned that from watching an actual interview of that of that guy, the the state trooper uh, Ted uh, Jordan. Hmm. And so the, that's from that's from the horse's mouth right there, you know. Their response is like, uh, what camera? We don't have any camera. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, yeah. Like trying to do a Jedi mind trick, waving their hands in front of his face. There was yeah. no camera. <laughs> There's my favorite case of something like that is where, oh, what's, what's the gentleman's name where he was recording. It's probably one of the best cases of uh, UFO footage, but he sent the film in cause they, they asked him, can we have the film to analyze it? He sent it in. And before he sent it in, he had actually showed it to a bunch of people in town, a bunch of his friends and everything. And when he got the film back, um, there was a bunch of frames missing off the front of the film. And he Hmm. said, and people, they asked other people who had seen the film, in those frames, you could see the object clearly. Whereas in the other frames, it it looks kind of shiny and far away and you can't really tell what it is. So that, I mean, this is a pretty common theme. I can't believe, oh, this is such a major case. My mind, it's on the tip of my tongue. I can't believe I can't remember the name of that case right now. Anyways, we'll get around to it. We'll do an episode on it sooner or later because it's a really good case. Oh, hell yeah. Sorry to be late on this, but I, I keep looking. I always see this, This uh, I think it's an inside joke at this point, and I, I don't mind being laughed at when I ask this question, but it says, people have said this craft was supposed to be meeting up with President Ike, <laughs> and that it just made a left instead of a right, and that's how they got into this predicament. I don't. That is totally subject to. 
I, it's that sounds a like a political commentary to me. Right? Uh, I'll take it. <laughs> How dare you? Well, because they, they relate it to Project Serpo. Are you guys familiar with that? Oh, yeah. That's that's a whole other rabbit hole that's right there. That's a whole there. can of worms. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah, go, but tell us. Uh, we can't. You can't just tease no, us no, like I'm that. Good. Tell I, us about I'm it good. a little no, bit. No, I can't. No, yeah. I really could not give you any more than that. It just that that's from what i've seen it a few times where people are saying oh it's true according to you know leaked transcripts you know president reagan's initial briefing on the et subject you know they were planning to meet and all this stuff the journal like it just it's probably hogwash but i don't know something to put a pin in yeah that's hmm. that's not something i have looked into really deeply project serpo but i have heard it before so i don't i don't really want to say much about it because i haven't done like the deep dive and whatever i say is probably going to be completely wrong but um it's it's a good chance we'll get to it eventually if there's anything to it Mm -hmm. all right all right so let's get back to the story here the story at hand oh yes so um so uh so uh officer zamora uh, happens to witness this craft he uh, he sees a couple figures next to it. Here's a metallic sounding like bang or something like that. Uh, presumably doors shutting. Then you know which must be those figures getting back in the vehicle. And then um, the vehicle shoots straight up in the air, uh, but it doesn't it doesn't go that far up in the air. It was like something like like thirty or forty feet. Something well, like so that, what right? happened? Hover, uh, yeah. What what happened was so he he was approaching it. Right. He got when he gets within fifty feet of it. It shoots up into the air. Well, but it also uh, it had important detail, I think, which is kind of weird. But oh yeah, yeah. It has the yes. blue orange flames shooting out from under it as it takes off, right? And then once it gets up, once it does that, he hits the dirt because he's afraid it's going to explode. So he's sitting there, you know, looking for cover. And then once it, I guess he he's not looking at it when it, this happens. But once it gets to a certain elevation. Um, it stops making noise. And at this point, he gets up and makes a run for his car. Um, now, like you're saying, it was hovering about 20 feet off the ground, but because it was in a gully before that, it was actually hovering about even with his car. So he was looking right at the thing probably, you know. So he gets to his car, and then he's still panicking. And he runs a little bit further before he turns around to observe it. That's At least that's what I found from the, the descriptions of the event. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember uh, hearing one uh, or hearing uh, seeing in, in one uh, quote um, that that uh, he had tried to use a radio at one point, but like uh, while he was like close to the vehicle, um, there was too much static, so he couldn't get any traffic out or anything like that. The radio wouldn't work. Hmm. Interesting. I must have missed that description. Um, I did read well, in in like a somebody else. I read what somebody else wrote. They said that. There was a little bit of confusion as to when the what radio stuff went down when because they didn't really keep good records of that. But um, yeah, I, it wasn't recorded. That's a pretty important detail. I can't believe I missed that. That's uh, I mean that because that's something common that you see with these things. But mm-hmm. it, you know, it's it's so, well, it's so common you'd expect to see it. Mm. Well, it, it, it was in an article, and he was quoted to have been had, had uh, said that. I suppose you know it's. But, uh, but, I mean, yeah, it's, uh, all the different interviews I've seen him in before he passed away, unfortunately, um, he seems to be pretty consistent and, and he doesn't seem to be making things like, like a grand or, 
you know, trying to blow things out of proportion to, to make himself look good. You know what I mean? Which sometimes, like to me, obviously, when you see that, it's like, ah, the, either it's a personality uh, fault, you know, and the person's trying to take advantage of something they may have seen, you know, or they're just plain lying and just trying to get attention, you know? Right. I mean? So, and I'm sure there's a fair amount of that that happens for sure. But uh, this doesn't seem to be the case to me uh, with, with this. You know what I mean? The, the guy seems to be a, a, a genuine individual, and he hasn't tried to seek fame or fortune, you know, from this. So yeah. He's a credible you know. witness, in my opinion, for sure. For the many years, he, and like you said, he hasn't tried to make any cash grabs. And there's been other, like, what, two other witnesses? Um, and even in their stories, there was some inconsistencies. But Lonnie's is still hold true to this day. Well, even even some of the characters that w- were there directly afterwards that were investigating the scene, like like for instance, um, that uh, that that fellow from uh, the uh, White Sands Missile Range mm. um, that came down to investigate, uh, Captain Richard T. Holder, yeah. um, he actually gave an interview many many uh, years after the fact. Um, I forget which program it was on. It was on um, Unsolved Mysteries, I think. As a matter of fact, I'm pretty sure it was on Unsolved Mysteries, if I, <laughs> if I remember correctly. Yeah, Unsolved um, Mysteries had an episode on this. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's that's where I had seen it. So, um, so, so he actually said on that program um, that nothing from from what he saw, like all the evidence that was there, um, how how uh, you know. Um, uh, what's his name? Um, Zamora, you know, was reacting and stuff and how, how he was telling his story. Nothing discredited what Zamora had, had said the story that he was presenting. And as a matter of fact, they actually found evidence and, and we're going to get into that. I think right now, yeah. but, um, it's, uh, I, I find it pretty, you know, um, amazing that like all the people surrounding this, their testimonies, uh, you know, the interviews that they gave, they gave, whether, whether it had been right after the event, closely after the event or way in the future, like, like this guy, uh, uh Richard Holder, um, because, uh, from what that program claimed that th- th- this was the first interview he had ever given, uh, you know, according to this, you know, uh, about this event, you know, so, you know, I, I think that's, uh, I don't know, it's kind of, it's kind of cool, you know, that, you know, uh, unsolved mysteries was able to, uh, to, to crack that nut, you know what I mean? And get this guy to uh, give his story for the first time. But he, he seemed pretty, pretty genuine about uh, his belief that, you know, the guy was telling the truth. Uh, not only that, but they saw, you know, evidence on, on site that supported his story. You know, they, 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 they saw uh, bushes that were a bit burnt, right? They, they saw, you know, um, four different uh, impressions in the ground from the, you know, the, the, uh, the, the feet, of the craft, you know? Yeah. Um, expand on that. Actually, the glass and the sand beneath it started to, uh, glass, uh, because of the heat and whatnot. Yeah. 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 Because, because of that, that, uh, that blue flame that he was just describing, you know, had, had, you know, obviously it was so hot that it melted the, the sand below it. And the area that, that we're talking about, if people aren't, aren't familiar with, with, uh, this area, it's a, it's a deserty area, you know, so there's a lot of sand, you know, there's a brush here and there, but it's pretty sparse. You know, it's not like there's a lot of, uh, trees or anything, or there's no trees around, you know, this area really, but the, the, the little that are, you know, it's not very thick. Yeah, so dry yeah, it's a very humble weed. Yeah. 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 It's a very, it's a very, um, deserty area. So yeah, the the ground is is real sandy. So yeah, it was like it was like uh like when lightning hits uh sand on the beach, turns it into glass. It was like that, right? 
Yeah, it's it's hard to separate. I mean, for me at least, I I keep seeing how it could be interpreted as a moonlander. All right, you know what I mean? Like it definitely from the I if the photos I saw were accurate, you know, they definitely match up to one of the cylinder or like those bulb like lander feet. But like what separates the lander in my brain when I hear the evidence given by Officer uh, Zamora is when the object shot off the ground for about 10 seconds, you heard that, he heard a roaring, but then it went quiet to a low pitch hum, or as he described, I forgot how he exactly, how he described it, but right there, that, so, yeah. I was, I was going to say to me, like, like when I hear that description, to me, it, it almost sounds like, you know, a craft that maybe like our government has, you know, acquired one way or another, whether, you know, it was crashed or an ancient artifact that they found maybe, or, you know, whatever means, uh, you know, however they acquired it, uh, sounds to me like it was something that they have like retrofitted, you know, to maybe for whatever reason, they need to strap a damn rocket onto the son of a bitch and, and, you know, take off, uh, conventionally like that. <laughs> but once they're in the air, for some reason, they, you know, they knew how to maneuver the thing. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's just, you know, di- you know, pushing a little bit too hard to, to find an ex- explanation, but, um, I don't know. For some reason, that's like, that, that was like the picture that I got when I heard that, that part of the story. You know what I mean? That sounds completely plausible to me. And you mentioned the Moonlander. That's one of the one of the main debunking ideas. But if you look at the description and you look at a picture of the Moonlander, uh, by comparison to me, you guys remember like Jiffy Pop? You, you put it on your stove and it like pops up and it's all foily and stuff. Like that's yeah. the Moonlander. It, the Moonlander looks like it's like foil glued on cardboard compared to what this thing. Mm-hmm. This thing is like smooth, no rivets. Well, you know. Well, and and so so correct me if I'm wrong, but. After the uh, the investigation, um, that was actually part of the explanation of the Air Force that was, you know, <laughs> that they gave w- was that, oh, it must have been some experimental aircraft that, you know, we were dealing with. We just don't know what it, which one it was or yeah. what it was, you know? Yeah. That's correct, right? There, I, I don't remember what the official explanation is. As far as I know, Blue Book's official explanation is that it was un- unknown or unsolved. But there's, you know, the different branches yeah. who, uh, I don't know if they gave different answers than that, but there, we'll get to it later, but there were, there's been a lot of really fun, uh, debunking attempts on this one over the years. <laughs> mm-hmm. We'll, mm-hmm. we'll talk about that in a bit. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned yet, but, um, when it hovered away silently, uh, it hugged the terrain and it stayed 20 feet above the terrain the whole time and kind of like going up and down with the hills and everything. And it went... Uh, went away in about um, three minutes, and that's about six miles, I think. If I if I'm getting if I'm remembering that correctly, um, let me okay. see. Let me check my notes here. Uh, yeah, but, uh, three minutes, six miles. Yeah, so it s- went silently six miles in about three minutes against the wind, um, and it supposedly flew over the dynamite shack that Zamora had been looking for, like past like three feet over that shack. So maybe that's, you know, somebody added that in from the newspaper, but I, I kind of like that little detail because it gives, it puts a nice little bow on the story, right? <laughs> yeah. So the first person to come and investigate, you know, we're talking about the investigations right away, Zamora called up, he had a friend who was actually a state trooper and his name was Sam Chavez. 
So he calls up dispatch and says, hey, can you send Sam over to help me look at this scene or whatever? And he was also kind of a little bit worried about being considered, you know, like crazy or a crackpot because that was Mm -hmm. a very common theme. Um, Even our own military would try to paint witnesses as crackpots to try to discredit them um, before, during, and after this. I mean, all, all the time they've done that. So Chavez gets there. Zamora has not left the scene yet. And so the first person to actually look over the area and kind of take notes and do an investigation of any kind is this fella, Sam Chavez. And he notes Mm -hmm. certain things that are very important. Uh, So, you know, sometimes the evidence, what you find is good, but what you don't find can be very important too. And he noted that there were no footprints or tracks, car vehicle tracks of any kind other than Zamora's footprints going to where he said he went leading up to the area at all. So that kind of helps rule out any sort of hoax, because if somebody, we'll talk about this later, there's one of the theories is a hoax, but how would they bring all of the material to the area without, they would have to haul it there on a vehicle, because it would be something this size would be too heavy, right? You couldn't just, Mm. I don't know, maybe you could if it was like made out of cardboard, I don't know, but even then you'd have footprints, because we're talking about like a soft, like sandy kind of dirt that you, you walk on this, it's going to leave footprints. You, you can't go there without leaving a trace of some kind. It's, you know, impossible mm-hmm. unless you got a hoverboard, maybe. I don't know. But Chavez also looked through Zamora's vehicle and noted that Zamora didn't have anything to cause the impressions and he da- did not have anything to set the plants on fire and make them look all smoky and smoldering. And when he was there, actually, when Chavez got there, he got there pretty quick the plants were still smoking a bit and he investigated, he touched the plants in the ground and they were all cool to the touch, which is kind of strange, right? Mm-hmm. But the, the indentations, they were about 12 feet apart and they were in a rectangular pattern. One of the interesting details of the case is that the pattern was not the, or the, the placement was not even. So it was not a perfect 12 by 12 square, for example. And, the way I think about this is what if, okay, so the the craft is landing on uneven ground and what if it has some kind of like struts or like the legs can move and shift to deal with uneven terrain? Uh, that would explain why the holes or the, the indentations weren't lined up le- evenly. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. It does. Oh, yeah. Well, if you have a craft that's uh, capable of the movement that this thing is described to have done, that stands to reason that, you know, yeah, your landing platform might be, you know, just as well sophisticated. Yeah. I guess flex, if that was what I'm thinking. If the legs are able to flex and it lands on uneven terrain, then that would, they would, of course, they wouldn't be perfect. It would be off a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, they 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 adjusted themselves to the terrain probably, you know? Yeah. After after this, uh, after Chavez looked the scene over, that's when they both left the area, and that's when um, Zamora went uh, on his way to tell his police chief all about it, which I'm sure he was looking forward to. He actually stopped by his yeah. priest for a <laughs> chat, which I think is kind of an interesting detail, because Zamora, like you mentioned earlier in his interviews, he's very businesslike or matter-of-fact, and, you know, just the facts, ma'am, just the facts, kind of a fella. And But the fact that he went to his priest first means that inside he was it was a little shooken up about the case and you know he was he definitely had some conflict that's for sure yeah an, an internal struggle as far as like like dealing with what he just saw you know right so he was yeah and oh also I forgot to mention but when Chavez first got there 
he told Zamora that, you know, he's like sweaty and pale looking and he asked him something like, uh, you look like you've seen a ghost or whatever. And Zamora replied by saying, oh, I think I've seen the devil or, or something like that. Um, and it hmm. might, might be the case that he really did because, so I'm, I'm not Christian, but from what I understand, there's a certain number of people who think that uh, aliens might be, rather than extraterrestrials, they might be some form of demon. That's a um, that mm-hmm. that's a pretty yeah. popular theory out there, from what I understand. But I don't want to speak for the Christians, obviously, because I'm not one of them. But if you know Zamora might have thought that he literally saw something supernatural like that, and that might be why he went to see his priest. So while he was going to talk to the priest, Chavez actually notified the military about the sighting. You know, because of the white sands nearby and concerns of the time of you know military stuff. He was uh, probably his patriotic duty even to to mint, to uh, file a report. Whereas nowadays, I think anybody in their right mind who saw something like this, they would just like whistle and walk away and pretend they had never seen it, you know, <laughs> just because of, you know, the... Well, in ni- 1964, you know, the, you know, um, the Cold War was definitely uh, a way and off, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah, this was, this was the height of the Cold War, as, you know, as it always is, <laughs> but... Mm-hmm. But the, the FBI also got not, notified somehow. I wasn't able to find if Chavez notified them or if the military forwarded it to them or whatever. But either way, very shortly after... The, yeah, what's up? I, I heard I heard that they were there like within 90 minutes is what I heard. Yeah, it was something like that. Yeah, I, I, what I read was under two hours, which, yeah. So the FBI and Captain Holder, uh, FBI agent Burns... And Captain Holder that you mentioned earlier, yeah, they were on the scene very quickly, which is kind of exciting because a lot of these cases, they have to fly out somebody from Project Blue Book and it takes them two weeks to get out there. Mm-hmm. By the time they have, mm-hmm. people have trampled all over the scene. So these guys were yeah, there, these guys were there right, away. right away. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They saw the very similar evidence that Chavez reported and what you guys have already mentioned. And they noted that a lot of the plants that were burned, like the bushes or shrubs or whatever... They weren't burned evenly like what you would expect if like a rocket took off over them. Some of them were burned. Some of those next to those were not burned or charred. Some of them were like only half the plant was charred or burned. The burn pattern didn't Mm. seem to make any sort of sense with what you would expect from like a a rocket or a jet that was there trying to take off. Or even even if they just lit like a a large-sized campfire or something. You know, right, to create the effect to try to fake it. You know, what I mean, which I've heard that was one of the other things that people claim had happened. That's plausible, yeah. way for sure. One thought I had while reading these descriptions was that uh, if any of you, any of you out there, or you know, any of you agents have been anywhere near a jet, it moves a lot of air, like a crap, epic crap ton of air. And if this oh, was yeah. some sort of prototype for like a Harrier, which was out a few years after this, the Harrier was not a thing yet, but it would be soon. If it was a prototype that was using a jet to kind of take off vertically, or if it was a rocket, those things move so much air and have so much power that I feel like there would be a crater where the sand should be because it would just push all yeah. that sand. It would create like a middle, little mini like dust storm where it was taking off. That's how powerful these things are. It wouldn't just kind of yeah, half well, char some shrubs. And nor be yeah, as well, quiet. And also the, I'm, sorry. The, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm just going to say, nor, nor would it be as quiet. I mean, the thing would be screaming across the land. I mean, when it was 
you know, hovering oh, yeah. just as low as it was and reported by multiple people, like, that thing would be screaming across the earth. I mean, it would be loud. Yeah. All Everybody time, in yeah. Socorro would have heard it. Yeah. Well, and not only that, but there would be so much thrust that, like, the, the bushes that it did char or burn would, I would imagine, be greatly affected, that they would at least be blown over or, like, you know, uh, maybe a bunch of the branches had been blown off, which yeah. is not within any of the accounts that I heard, you know? Or maybe they would be completely turned to ash and would have vacated the area, you know? <laughs> yeah. Or yeah. be hot yeah. from from the sound of it. I mean, because, I mean, a lot of these, they were cool to the touch, you know? I mean, you associate smoke with some sort of heat, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, if they're so smoldering, <laughs> they should be hot to the touch, I, I would think, well, right? warm. Yeah. I mean, not cold. Hell yeah. yeah some, some evidence of heat. Yeah. So the FBI and Air Force investigators, they noticed a couple of details that uh, Sam Chavez had missed. They noticed some small indentations that were that were in a spot that it could have been like a ladder or ramp or something that had come out of the craft. And they also noticed small impressions that were consistent with where the creatures had been described as standing and they could have been the footprints. And if they were, then they were too small to be adult footprints. And now from what I understand, they weren't like, they didn't have like a clear outline. Like, you know, if you step in the right kind of mud, you can even read the the brand of the shoe that's printed on the bottom of your shoe. Like you get a really good picture, but when you're at the beach and you step in the sand, it just kind of makes a little impression. You don't get any sort of print unless, you know, in the dry sand, I mean. So that's the, that's the impression I got from reading it. They didn't specifically say from what I saw, but I got the impression the print was not like a clear outline. It was more of like an impression in, you know, in the sand. Uh, and while they were there, they also took Geiger counter readings, but they didn't find any sort of unusual radiation, uh, just the normal radiation that's always there. And when whenever you look at this, they're always... Well, not always, but often people talk about radiation readings and is there unusual radiation or whatever. But I always kind of think that's a strange thing because if it's an advanced civilization coming to visit us, they're not going to be using like a nuclear powered drive. Whatever their technology is, it's going to be something that we haven't even conceived of yet. And they sure as fuck, yeah. they're not going to be spewing out radioactive pollution everywhere. That's just insane. You know, they're, yeah. they're not going to, yeah, yeah. Just imagine how irradiated their planet would be. It's just ridiculous. You know? So I never understood that radiation reading thing, but it's there. It's always there. You know, in most of these cases, they talk about radiation readings and I never understood it. Well, I think that plays into the other cases, you know, cause there's some similarities to this case, like there are to others. And that just, when you say it like that, that makes me think if they're so gun ho on, using radiation, uh, to, you know, to test the radiation of the area, then obviously there had to be something that, in their minds, convinced them that, yes, radiation is a telltale factor with these, these encounters. Because, just like the Travis Walton case that we covered on a previous episode, that the radiation levels there were a bit wonky, and some of the radiation mm -hmm. affected the trees in the surrounding area. Yeah, that's a good point. And maybe they're looking for, I don't know, maybe like an experimental Russian nuclear-powered aircraft, which they've designed. From what I've read, they never got them to fly because they're too heavy. But that's just what they say, yeah. you know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah. But yeah, maybe. Well, but it, it is also 1964, too, where it's, it's a 
you know, it's an era where people's fascination with radiation and the idea of radiation, you know, has kind of, you know, uh, flourish, you know what I mean? Like they, it's not like, you know, they, they, they were starting to understand radiation, radiation a lot more, but you had radiation being used like in sci-fi and movies and stuff like that and comic books, whatever to influence different characters and, and this way and that. But, you know, it's also, one, you know, like I said, it's one of those things that was, it was pretty prevalent in pop culture too, though. That's, you know a, I mean? that's a good point. Yeah. It's actually a really good point. I hadn't thought of that. They, so they, in addition to the radiation and all this other stuff, they measured the indentations. I'm guessing maybe the two officers who were here before didn't have like measuring tapes. So the indentations were about eight by 12 inches and about four inches deep. And they also took some samples of like dirt and plants and things from the area. Now, if you think about that, just I'm trying to picture in the sand an eight by 12 indentation that's four inches deep. That's a pretty sizable indentation. So that mm. craft that landed there, whatever it was, was reasonably heavy, you know, at least as heavy as a car. But it's hard to say for certain without doing experiments on that specific soil with different well, weights. That's how he also, he also described it as being an egg-shaped, uh, egg-shaped? I don't know <laughs> what the hell that is, an egg-shaped craft that was about the size of a car. Right. That's why he said he thought it was, uh, initially he thought it was maybe a car that flipped over on its side or something like that, but... Yeah, he said it was you know about the size of a a good sized car and egg shaped, with obviously the you know the the landing craft on the I mean you know, the the feet on the bottom the four feet on the bottom, yeah, but uh yes yes. So Captain Holder he made some inquiries as part of his investigation because you know he was from White Sands so he had the inside scoop there. One of the common explanations for this case was that it was some sort of something that had wandered over from White Sands that they were experimenting on. He talked, he asked people around and nobody had anything that could account for the sighting and they didn't have anything operating in the area at the time, even if they did have something. So White Sands was a complete bust, according to Captain Holder. And he also was hey, speaking of, speaking of bust. Yeah. I got to take a PS. I'll be back. All right. All right. Have fun. Sorry to interrupt right in the middle of that. No, it's cool. <laughs> Try not to shake That'll it work. more than three times. <laughs> yeah. Or we're cutting it off. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> but anyways, I'll continue on while he's taking oh, his yes. pit stop. Yeah, please. I'd and, like hey, to hear it. By, by the way, you better be careful what you say on these, because if I think it's funny, I'll leave it in. On one of the last ones, ETA said, oh, I'm going to go take a pee, and I just left it in because I thought it was funny. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. No worries. I watch yeah. my P's and Q. So, yeah, yeah, just, just a, just a fair warning there, but all right, let's see where, oh yeah. So he also, um, he also asks around, not just a white sands, but in the military in general, and they didn't have, nobody he talked to had any aircraft, uh, that the, uh, oh no, wait, that's not it. Edit. All right. Let me rephrase that. I was reading down to my further down notes. He didn't do that. Somebody else did that. Holder also said that he had never seen any sort of aircraft in his experience that could account for the sightings. And it was his opinion that the United States just didn't have anything that could do that. And uh, well, maybe we'll get into the flight characteristics a little later on. But um, long story short, even today, I don't know of anything that can fly that's completely silent like that, that you know has those flight characteristics. And certainly in 1964, we didn't have anything like that. And neither did any other major world power. It just sort of, it's just, it would be sort of silly, 
you know, if if they had something that could fly. Oh, it was Russia. Yeah, they had a completely silent hovering craft, and then they spent all these gazillions of dollars to develop something that wasn't even half as good that they didn't get till the 80s or whatever it was. But yeah, anyways. No, the one thing that, if you don't mind, that I would say to that is if I could imagine a scenario like the Tesla situation where um, it probably was, I mean, let's just say that, you know, it was an extraterrestrial and then there was a guy who is just this aspiring scientist who will give us the next best best technology, but it just got shafted. Does that make sense? It, like, it just didn't work out the way it was supposed to. Like, there's yeah. arguments to be had about how Tesla was the better, like, we went with the light bulb or the incandescent light bulb instead of, you know, the ways that Tesla wanted to go and you know, people have said that there could have been, you know, major differences in how we draw power from the earth. And instead of making such a large ecological footprint, we could have been doing it a different way. Yeah. Sorry, I'll stop rambling on that. But yeah. No, no, that's that's a good topic. Actually, that would be a good episode to do sometime because there have been, like, I've never done the research on it, but I've heard a lot of cases of companies buying some sort of patent for a technology and then just burying it because they don't want it to hurt their business model. So some oh, yeah. some inventor will come up with something and then they'll just kill it so that they don't have to compete against it or they don't have to, you know, shut down their factories and retool everything. Capital. Oh, yeah. There's a supposed long history of that. Yeah, and there's... I know for a fact that happens in the medical industry with pharmaceuticals because I've read about it before where oh, they'll... Yeah they'll talk about, oh yeah, we had this promising thing. It probably would have cured it, but it's going to cost us money. So we're just going to kill it. You know that, and I, I've seen that happen. For, I know for a fact that's happened once or twice that I've seen personally, but um, I'm sure it's happened other times too. Most relevant would be the Corona. I mean, with everything with, I'm not sure. I haven't looked into it since I saw it and it was brought to my attention, but uh, Bill Gates had his uh, hands in a, a vaccine or whatnot that was, you know, having to do with SARS, but, hmm. you know, COVID is a lot like SARS, and there was also a lot of similarities between the a vaccine that, could, if we do develop it, you know, Bill Gates gets a piece of it, so it's kind of like, oh, that's yeah, odd. Yeah, I, I don't want, I haven't, I don't know for sure, I don't want to say too much about it, but <laughs> since it oh, yeah. is a, re- a relevant topic, um, I did see recently that there was some investigations into, like, there the lab in Wuhan that everybody knows about, they were actually researching coronaviruses at the time, and there there is a little bit of suspicion going on. But on the other hand, I also read an article that somewhere in Europe, I, I forget the details, which is why I don't want to kind of go too much into it, but somewhere in Europe, they had taken like lung biopsies or something from patients like before this whole thing started. And those biopsies, actually, those patients had been infected with coronavirus in Europe before it broke out in Wuhan. So if that's true then it didn't actually start in Wuhan, which is, you know, that just makes the whole thing a little bit crazier. But yeah. I, I just saw one article and I don't, I didn't see any more articles and I don't know if it's even true. So who knows? That definitely deep yeah. into the rabbit hole. Oh. That's for sure. Yeah. That's the uh, thing. I don't know what the heck to believe. You, you, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so let's see. What, what was I going to, Oh yeah. So uh, now that now that Agent ETA is back, let's get back into the uh, so the last part of the investigation for um, Captain Holder was that he went and talked to military and civilian radar operators in the area, and they had not tracked the object at all on radar, 
which again makes it interesting because if it was some sort of military craft, even a top secret one, often they'll work with radar or they'll have some kind of transponder just so they don't end up crashing into other aircrafts, you know, but uh, he didn't find anything. And that's, um, as far as Holder's investigation goes, that's the last bit I have on his. And after that, the investigation was turned over to Project Blue Book. Mm. Project Blue Book, that's when we get the involvement of, dun, 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 Sergeant Moody. We mentioned him earlier with his uh, insignia shenanigans. Uh, he didn't arrive on the area until two days later to investigate, but there's a really weird thing. He was actually stationed really nearby in Kirtland Air Force Base doing some other project that I won't go into right now because it's a whole other can of worms. You know, we've had enough of those already. But but a lot of people find that suspicious that he just so happened to be in the area almost as, as if they knew something weird was going to happen. But hmm. it could just be a coincidence. But the reason why people get suspicious is because Project Blue Book was always a really small operation. Even in its heyday, it did not have that many people working for it. And at this time, it had been scaled down. And this was not too long before they shut it down in 1969. So they had really pared down the staff. And I believe there was only five people in the entire military working for Blue Book at this time. So that means that out of the five people in the whole dang country, and it's a pretty big country, one of them just so happened to be right next to where this happened. It's it's a little suspicious, but then again, you know, the whole thing is weird, so it doesn't necessarily mean anything weird was happening. But yeah, I digress. Sergeant Moody arrived two days after the inc incident for his investigation, and he re-interviewed um, Chavez and Zamora separately again, and he also canvassed the town of Socorro to find more witnesses, but he didn't really find any. And he considered a hoax by Zamora or maybe somebody else. And so, you know, Blue Book, actually, they talk about this in the file that you can look up online, but they didn't believe for a second that it was a hoax because it just doesn't make any sense. You'd have to have too many people involved and it would have been too difficult to, you know, because they, like we're talking, they got on the scene really quickly and you would have had to do everything really quickly, get all the evidence out of there, cover up your tracks and all that stuff. And they just didn't find it plausible that it had been hoaxed. Blue Book asked around to a bunch, to different military div divisions and projects and contractors and whatnot. And none of them reported having any sort of craft that could perform that the object that Lonnie Zamora saw did. So according to Blue Book, our military says we didn't have anything like that. And who knows if they were, you know, so compartmentalized that they weren't even allowed to tell Project Blue Book. But uh, Project Blue Book, you can actually see this on the documents um, that uh, Major Hector Quintanilla, who's the head of Blue Book, he had top secret clearances. So he had the potential access to anything that was going on, at least theoretically. Mm. But, you know, the according to them, that we didn't have any crafts that could do this, which... I fully wholeheartedly believe because if you think about it, um, you know, I think I mentioned earlier the silent hovering, we still don't have anything of this size, a manned vehicle, maybe some kind of top secret drone. I don't know, but everything we have still needs some kind of visible propulsion, visible flight surfaces like wings or some kind of helicopter blade or something. They all make noise. I'm not aware of any military craft that can fly silently and can hover and things like that. So even today, 
we still don't really have anything, at least not publicly, you know, public knowledge that could do what this craft did. And, you know, that kind of adds a little, little bit of interesting, I don't know, something to it. It defies gravity. It defies the laws of physics. It's not, it's, that's not how it works. I mean, we're seeing the technologies today with SpaceX and, you know, um, other, you know, pioneering space technologies, private tier companies, um, just getting off the ground with automated ships. And you can see how loud and how abrupt they are. You know, you, it's a scene. It's a sight to be seen uh, when these things are entering orbit or just doing their test runs. So, I mean, in the 60s, to have a ship capable of being off radar and to maintain its speed and how it, it, it maneuvered in the environment it did, yeah, goes against <laughs> the laws of, laws of everything. Oh, yeah. And nowadays when they build like a rocket or something, the bigger technology is just bigger. We need a rocket to go to Mars. We'll just do, you know, just do like a Saturn V, but bigger, you know, it seems, yeah, seems yeah. to be the way they're going. It can land by itself, no, but it's still very, very similar to the technology we've been using since the fifties and, you know, rockets at least don't seem to have advanced that much, which is just, you know, one little piece of what you're saying. But yeah, I totally agree. ETA, were you were you saying something? It seems like you might have cut out there a little bit. No, no. Okay. Wasn't say, uh, yeah, was saying not. a whole lot of anything, really. Not at the moment. Okay. It sounded like you were saying something you might have cut out. Never never mind then. I farted but, a little bit. Maybe that, maybe. <laughs> it was a voice. I, I can back I can back him up. He is not crazy. Yeah. Th- this time though, at least I didn't put the microphone right to my butt. <laughs> oh, that's that's good because you gotta put that microphone back to your face. So <laughs> there might be repercussions. <laughs> uh, it's still my face and my foot. So that's you true, know. Yeah. How'd you get that pink eye again? I'm okay with it. <laughs> Wait, what? How'd you get that pink eye again? The mic just under your <laughs> eye. <laughs> uh, no, somebody else has has to fart on your pillow. No, <laughs> not yourself. <laughs> so, right? You, so you can't give yourself pink eye. That's true. That was my understanding We're of gonna it. Have to so, it's it's got to be somebody else's fecal this flakes is for science. Okay, now we got to yeah. test this out. I'm sorry, we got to test this out. Yeah, we might have to science this because okay. I mean, I can I can usually fart at any any given moment. So, oh, we're gonna have, and I got plenty of pillows. We're gonna have to do two phases of this experiment. Our first phase is we're all gonna have to fart on our own pillows. Then the next phase is we're gonna have to fart on each other's pillows to see if you know we gotta have a control. I guess you know. Yeah, yes. science. Is that what they call science. it? Science. They call it a control. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> I agree. All right, control, what was Control that? would be like a pillow that we do ourselves. Yeah, I know you're right. Our little, like our self, our little guinea pig. Yeah. Well, then we're going to have to fart on, fart on each other's pillows or have somebody else fart on our, our pillows. <laughs> <laughs> what about dog no. farts? Can that, can dog farts give you pink eye? Maybe. Interesting. Yeah. Let's, let's not complicate things. Let's keep it simple first with human farts. Right. You know? Yeah. Too many variables. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's uh let's get back to it here. So that that was the first blue book investigation by Sergeant Moody, but actually they sent well I don't know if they sent him. I think he might have gone because he was just interested, but the good old famous, you know, superhero of UFO investigations, J Allen Hynek also went and investigated this. Uh mm-hmm. he didn't get there till a little ways little time later, so by the time he got there, the scene had already been trampled over by the public. 
But he went out to the scene with Zamora and also looked things over, and he brought with him Ray Stanford of NICAP, or NICAP, whichever you prefer. Um, and so they hooked up and went out there together to do a sort of a joint little look over of the scene. And while he was there, Ray Stanford actually found a broken rock in one of the impressions, and it looked like it had some metal scrapings on it. So he took the rock with him, and he sent it to NASA for analysis all of the metal was removed by NASA before it was returned to him, and NASA didn't really find anything, or if they did, he, they did not give Ray Stanford their findings. So that was uh, this uh, yet another thing you see that's very common. Is <laughs> Their findings, I think their findings were that you weren't supposed to find this. Right, and it's very frustrating because you get like these little <laughs> tantalizing pieces. Like this could be, like even if it's microscopic, a piece of an alien spaceship, and they're like, nope. We don't know what you're talking about. This rock is exactly like you sent it. We looked at it and there's nothing there, buddy. <laughs> you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Just like the film that we were talking about earlier. But either way, Hynek got some samples of his own and he got the samples that were previously taken and he had them looked over back at Wright-Patterson or wherever the heck he sent them to after, you know, from there. And uh, he didn't find anything unusual. He didn't find any evidence of a propellant from a rocket because if it had been like a rocket of some kind, there would have been fuel that, that would be on there. You'd be able to detect the fuel from the rocket on the plants. And probably the same thing if it was a jet, because, you know, jet fuel or whatever they're using would leave a trace. There would be some sort of residue, but he didn't find any of that. Other than that, they didn't find anything unusual, except that the plants had been subjected to some sort of high heat. That's, you know, all he could tell by the physical evidence that was collected yeah, so that was that was pretty much all I had on like the various investigations, but I just wanted to point out, just to summarize for everybody listening, the the government agencies or entities involved in this thing, you know, from the bottom up, I suppose, would be starting with the local police, would be the original witness, then the state police, which would be his buddy that he called over, the army, the FBI, and the Air Force were all there, and Project Blue Book had two different investigators that went there. And there were also several different civilian investigations, some of which we haven't even mentioned on this show. So I think it's safe to say that the government was highly interested in this case. And it, yeah, they, they were taking it very seriously. And one thing you can kind of do when you're looking through like the blue book documents, I don't know if they sent every document to every place, but you can look at the, they have different codes and different things for who was, who got the documented, the documents transmitted to them. And on this file, you can see SAFOI, which is the, um, set the office of this, uh, the secretary of the air force office of information and the secretary of the air force. That's, that's as high up as it gets almost. I mean, you're just, you're just a hop, skip and a jump away from the president. So that's like, they were paying attention to this at the very highest levels of government. Which is very telling. Very telling, yeah. So, Agent Kruger, you had some comments about the similarities between this craft and some more recent sightings. Yeah, just pointing out some of the, I mean, the most recent uh, confirmed videos that the Pentagon released and how, you know, that both Zamora and uh, the naval pilot both referred to the object as a tic-tac and a long, long oblong like 
shape. Like the shapes are similar, and also if you guys look back and uh, and I do refer to our uh, earlier episode when we approached the Travis Walton case, that he also pointed out uh, pill-like, chrome-like ships that were on the mothership that he was on. And I think there is something to be said about that ship. I think there is something telling, and it's just... I, I, it's a reoccurring story. Yeah, right? I mean, he, this Lonnie story is stuck for the longest time, and it, it's remarkable that the crafts look very similar. And, I mean, it's the similar exact... How they describe it is the same one you can actually go look up yourself on YouTube with the military crafts that were filming... Uh, the tic-tac-like objects, you know, just going against the wind, just like the the similar situation again with Zamora when they were when it was flying low and going against the elements. It's just, it's. I mean, I don't know. I I I'm a believer in history repeats itself, or it's just um, too many stories. Even if they're hundreds of years old, you know, like or whatnot, not hundreds of years old in this case, but you know, it doesn't matter. If it's slightly similar or nothing alike, but you know, there's just a one little similarity here that just I don't know should keep. Well, oh uh, yeah, well I mean in, in in line in line with what you, in line with what you're saying, you know some some people might say that there's no such thing as a coincidence, you know. So if there's so many sim- uh, similarities between all these different stories, then I I, su- I would say that they support each other, you know, within the because of the sim- similarities. You know what I'm saying? Oh, 100%. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And I always imagine, too, if an alien race, just hypothetically, because I'm not saying that's what any of this is for sure, but let's just go out on a limb here. If they've mastered the technology to travel between the stars, it would stand to reason that they had also mastered some sort of biological technology that could extend lifespans. And if they have a ship that does what they need it to do, I don't see why they would need to build a whole bunch of new ones all the time. So it stands to reason that they would have long lifespans and it could be the very same, you know, the same ship that they saw, you know, that landed here, (laughs) that Lonnie Zamora saw could be the, you know, what, uh, what's his name? Uh, Lieutenant Fravor. And, you know, these other witnesses throughout the years have seen, you know, this Tic Tac shaped object. I mean, it's the, some of the descriptions are very, very similar. Along with the childlike larger, you know, larger than a child, but not so much of an adult. But the descriptions of the pilots that, you know, fly those, you know, could be greys. Um, it sounds like it's greys, um, but I could be wrong. But it just sounds like there's a similarity to the shapes of these ships and the conductors of these ships that shouldn't just go unnoticed. Yeah. So, yeah, I had I had a thought on the, the flames that were coming out to, to kind of pivot to a different subject, I guess. Um, the, the craft didn't seem to need the flames as a method of propulsion because after it took off, the flames stopped and then it hovered away without the flames. So I was, I, I really liked ETA's explanation earlier with maybe it was something that we found and we strapped a rocket on it to, to kind of maneuver it around. That had not actually occurred to me. Or maybe, maybe they were making a point. Like you got, you got too close. Officer Zamora, you know, like <laughs> we're going to make it a display now, you know? Yeah. What, what it seemed to me was that uh, maybe there was some kind of malfunction and the flames were not a part of a propulsion system, but maybe they had to vent 
the extra heat for the flames, or maybe it was just part of the propulsion system was going haywire or something like that. Or it also occurred to me, maybe that was some sort of camouflage. They had observed us and they noticed that we had stuff flying around that had flames coming out of it because everything we have that flies around uses fire of some kind. Maybe they did that to try to blend in, which I know that's a bit of a stretch and it, it doesn't really make, it probably doesn't stand up to scrutiny, but it's just an idea I had. So I figured I'd share it with the class. Yeah. Well, no, I think that's very, that's very interesting too, because I, I've heard that perspective in, in um, a couple different stories, but the gist of it is that like, they're so advanced that they choose to present, present themselves visually to us in a way that isn't the real, like what they really look like. It's what they think that we can deal with mentally, you know what right. I mean? So th they want, they, they don't want to, you know, um, crush your fragile little mind, you know, just, just at the sight, sight of them, or, or maybe it's, they also just, they, um, like I said, maybe their technology is so advanced. There's no way that, uh, we could understand it just by looking at it. Like, to us, it would, it would seem like magic. You know, it's been said many times before, you know, that like, you know, it's possible. Yeah. You know, that, that they could be so advanced that their technology to us would seem like a godlike or, or maybe magic, you know? Right. Yeah. One, one thing I was watching in a movie that kind of got my attention was one of, I forget which one it was, but one of the Spider-Man movies, uh, Iron Man gives Spider-Man like some kind of nanotechnology suit that it's like, mm -hmm. so it's like a mechanical suit, but it's mechanical on the microscopic level. And I was like, that would fit so well with so many of these cases if they had technology like that, not just for the ships, but for the suits themselves. Like think, you know, for example, the, um, the, uh, Kelly Kentucky, the Kelly goblins. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that, but oh, yeah, that yeah. that's the case where like the, the aliens kept coming to the house or creatures or whatever they were, they'd shoot them with a shotgun and then the creatures would go away. But I, I don't want to rehash that whole thing, but it just... Like, well, that's a, that's a throwback to an episode... Was that the first one? Second episode you ever uh, did? Yeah, was like, I think it was the second one or something, yeah. I think my first one was yeah. <laughs> um, was the Michigan, 1966 Michigan swamp gas case. <laughs> okay, yeah, I yeah. I think the goblins were number two. And then I think you were on number three with Gobekli Tepe. So I think I just had those two solo. But uh, Okay, okay. But yeah, so like you're saying with this godlike technology... And that's just something from a movie. So what do they have that we haven't even thought of yet? You know, it just, it kind of just captures my imagination. Kind of just gets me thinking wild thoughts. Oh, I'm sure there's plenty, you know? Yeah. We're not so advanced as we think we are, I think, you know? It's, oh, no. Well, and also, I'm also naively saying that not knowing what's really in reserve that, that the public does not know, you know what I mean? Like the, because we, we, we've talked about it before, like, you know, and it's not just our government. Every government out there that has a, a massive budget of some sort, you know, that has, you know, money to throw towards this type of stuff, uh, development of uh, different technologies, whatever it is, I'm sure there's plenty that, like, maybe already we might look at as, like, a bit of magic, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Because, you know, it's just so advanced. But, I mean, and, and um, I think we've talked about this before. I'm not sure even either on air. I know I, I definitely in private I know we have. But, but, but like, um, it's been a little bit since like, uh, there has been something, some kind of advanced technology from, you know, the military sector that has been like revealed to the public, you know, that, that was like, you know, a big, a, a big, like, you know, surprising thing or something that was very impressive. You know what I mean? It's yeah. been, it's been some time. Right? Yeah. They used to do that to kind of say, Hey, look at us. We're doing our jobs. We're protecting you. Our military is badass. Just, I think they would release stuff like that occasionally 
just to get make, maybe they don't need to anymore. Just to make the public feel comfortable. But I don't know why they haven't. Maybe they don't need to. But the last one I seem to remember the real big release was the F twenty two Raptor. Um, maybe I just haven't uh-huh. been paying that much attention. I know they've developed stuff that the public has quote unquote found out about. But the yeah. last one they made a big deal about was the F twenty two. That thing is bad ass. That was that is a oh, serious bad fucking jet. Jammer. Yeah. Oh mm-hmm. man, I get I get hard thinking about that thing. But I, I don't know what what the what's the next generation. Oh. I think the next generation, which is why they're not really talking about it, because they don't want it to get out too much. I imagine would have to be unmanned drones. You know, UAVs. That's all the rage. Sure. But yeah. But who knows? Yeah, they're not making a big deal about it like they used to. Well, imagine one of those rap, raptors un, unmanned and somebody from you know any place in in the world, you know, uh, controlling it and, and then sending it anywhere else in the world. Oh you know? yeah, mm-hmm. oh yeah. And they're already they're already you know doing that with with uh, the drones that they're using right now. Yeah. You know, I mean, you'd have somebody in Oklahoma that is controlling a drone that's in the Middle East, right. for example. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I I agree. You know that that's probably and that's kind of scary to think about. Right. You know, I mean, it's just like. The, the, you know, the, the thing that say, for instance, if you find yourself up against a drone like this, like whoever you are, wherever you are, you know, uh, you happen to, if you happen to even recognize that there, you know, there is a drone before you die, because you might just, you might just be, you know, before you know it, you know, something's dropped upon you, a bomb or whatever kind of, you know, uh, round or something that, you know, whatever kind of munitions that this thing has on it, you know, uh, you probably won't even realize first of all, but I mean, what what can you do against that? You know what I mean? Like it's it's that day will come. You have to at one see. point, that day will come. There will be a war waged with just drones, and hope unfortunately, a day where sure. a terrorist attack will be carried out that way too. Well, oh sure. Yeah, I, I always wonder what's the next logical step in you know continuing the technology. So basically, right now, everything I know about, at least. It's just been extending the technology of the jet engine, essentially. It's just a really fancy... It's the same thing as you have in your car in that it mm-hmm. just blows up a fuel. It explodes a fuel to generate energy and push the thing forward. That's obviously a very, very oversimplified. Yeah. But the Still point crude. is, what's the next step after that? Where do we go from using a fuel like that to you know using flight surfaces and controlled stuff You know that airplanes will fly around? Like, Have they gotten something like Gravity manipulation or something like that. What's that's well, that's exact. They, that's the exact term I was about to to spit out right there. Is gravity ma- manipulation? Yeah, I mean, do it they, has to be. I would think. Do they have right? weapons now that they can just like instead of flying a drone halfway across the globe, can they just like melt your brain halfway across the globe? Just the press of a button, you know. This, <laughs> these these are the things that keep me up at night. Well, I mean, astrokinetics. You know what I mean? Like, well, there's this like other things that. You know, people like we were touching base earlier that there's companies that are always going to try to do something new and innovative. And, you know, maybe there was uh, a situation where there was, um, or, you know, I'm sorry, I'm getting a little, I don't know. Maybe we'll just, man has always tried to get up and do something that they're not supposed to go to the moon or, you know, get into space, do the things that we do. We're not supposed to be driving cars for crying out loud, but we'll find a way. Well, a quick little note. It is, like, a, kind of, like, surprising to me, like, because some people are are, are so very um, unaware while they're driving. It, it is still surprising to me that there are less, I mean, there aren't as many, like, accidents as, I, as you'd think there would be with how many people are driving and, like, um, 
it just seems like like uh, I don't know, you, you see so many people like on on the road when you're driving in, in congestion and stuff. Like the way some people drive, it's just like, and I've known people like this. My, in, you know, uh, you know, some of my friends and stuff. They're like, I, I don't. Some of them have never been in, in an accident, and I don't know how the hell that that's possible because I've been in the car with these motherfuckers, and like they're, they're all over the goddamn place, you know, like they're all over the road, and like they they just don't, they just like they're just, they just, they they just don't pay attention. You know, and I I know there's got to be a uh, countless other ones out there. I'm not saying that I'm a, a great driver. I, I like to think I pay an okay amount of attention, but you know, maybe I don't. I don't know, but but uh, but but like, yeah, it. <laughs> I don't know. I always found that really weird, man. That like, I know that there's a decent amount of uh, accidents. People do die, and it's not uncommon at all. You know, but like you'd think with with how many idiot freaking drivers are out there, <laughs> there'd be yeah. more. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know. That's a, sorry to take it off on that wild tangent, but you know, oh, hey, you know, that's sometimes what it's all it, about. Sometimes when, well, sometimes sometimes when it comes to driving and uh, you know traffic and stuff, there comes a time where you you see opportunity to vent, you know. And I just took that <laughs> opportunity. Is all you know what I mean? <laughs> no worries. <laughs> I am done. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, it's uh, we're we're a little bit over an hour here, so why don't we start wrapping this one up before we finish this. Uh, episode. I wanted to talk a little bit about the skeptical explanations. We won't spend too much time on these because they're all pretty damn absurd, but uh, just figure I mention them for a good laugh, you know? So we already mentioned the lunar lander test, which is actually the most plausible explanation, I think. But when you look at it, it doesn't mm-hmm. really line up because first of all, the thing really looks nothing like a lunar lander. And even if it did, a lunar lander cannot do anything remotely like what this thing did. It doesn't fly like it did or any of that stuff. And I didn't even bother to look, but I'm willing to bet that if you looked into it, there probably was not even a lunar lander anywhere near the area. Were they testing them at White Sands? I don't know. Maybe. Um, I'm sure it's it's definitely possible, but hell if I know. Supposedly students that were working with lunar landers did it but i mean had some hand in doing it but i I doubt that yeah the next most likely scenario that's a skeptical explanation is that this was some kind of prank from bored college kids and they somehow uh were able to to prank this thing but i just i don't know i think uh lonnie zamura would have had to been involved i don't think you could prank this hey johnny hey johnny I got an idea for a good prank. <laughs> yeah. Let's fake a UFO and trip out some state trooper. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, yeah. it, it's sweet. I, I won't pit. So this idea is pretty much, it's more absurd than, it, it would just be more reasonable to say that it was aliens in my opinion. But let's just look at one little yeah. piece of it. If you were going to prank this, you wouldn't put it out in the middle of fucking nowhere that you'd have to drive up all these gravelly hills and stuff to get to. You'd put it right next to the road so you could get somebody's attention, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's, mm-hmm. you could pick this thing apart from beginning to end like that. And I won't because it's, it'll probably be boring. But the, the college kid prank, it just doesn't make any sense, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, no. Yeah. And it just gets worse from here, by the way, <laughs> from the skeptical explanations that I've been able to find. So next up, mm-hmm. we have dust devils, you know, like those little tornado things. That was actually proposed oh, yeah, those, as a those skeptical. Those are awesome. Yeah. That was pro- Dude, I, I love dust devils. Oh, yeah. I love seeing them, especially if you got like a long drive in the middle of nowhere. They just keep you entertained. You know? naked I don't think he. I don't think he uses them the way we think he uses them. What? 
<laughs> but yeah, so I don't know about you guys, but I can't imagine how a dust devil could account for this sighting. It just doesn't make any dang sense. Um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I would agree. And then we have yes. we have the obligatory ball lightning, which is I don't know, somehow even sillier than dust devils. You know, um, we have Ooh, a, a can- new. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we have a candle in a balloon, I guess. I guess I do that. Uh, Russians, oh. which I guess Russians should have been a little higher up on those lists. Maybe under college kids. It's always, dude. It's always the Russians, either aliens or Russians. But if you think about the technology we had at the time, just imagine the Russians would have to fly this thing all the way from at least like an aircraft carrier in the ocean all the way here to New Mexico, dude, and then. You know how much fuel that would take? It's just, it's just silly. It's, it's stupid. I'm not going to even really entertain it myself. Well, dude, they're probably, they're probably Russian aliens. Holy yeah, shit! Russian, we I like the that. Wrong turn. <laughs> That's what they were. They aliens just, working for the Russians. There was too you know much I mean? vodka one night, and then they became aliens. I think it was a a, a female Russian alien <laughs> hybrid named Octavia. That's what I'm going oh, with. Oh, beautiful. Yes, I like the sound of that. Octavia. Beautiful. Yeah, she had one of those sexy Russian accents, too. Oh, but she moves real well, too. (laughs) All right, so rounding off the list of uh, skeptical explanations, we have hallucinations, which I presume must have (laughs) included all of the people that investigated this. The many, many people at the scene that we've mentioned must have hallucinated all the burnt brushes and everything. I mean, it's, it's even sillier than Dust Devils and Ball Lightning, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And the final mm-hmm. one on the list of skeptical explanations that I have, which is my personal favorite, this, I'm not even kidding, this was proposed as a serious explanation to this, was a mirage of the star Canopus in broad daylight. Well, ev- it was the evening, oh. but it was still broad daylight outside, you know, it was bright out. Oh. Uh, sun had not set. We have a mirage of a star causing this in- whole sighting, you know, the flames and all. That's my personal huh. favorite. Wow. Huh. <laughs> well, at least at least it didn't say like it was a, a Venus. Yeah, you yeah. <laughs> at least they gave us that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, or swamp gas. Yeah, it is a well, gas leak. Yeah. I, I understand. Like like a like ball lightning. It's kind of always. It's always going to be there. Somebody's always going to bring it up, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but like, uh, yeah, the st- the other stereotypical ones like were a, a little bit you know, absent here, but then you have these things like that where it's like, all right, well, I guess they just chose a different label, you know, like <laughs> instead of the usual star, it was a different one, you know, well, I mean, right. instead of a, you know, a planet, it was a different, you know, it was a star, but yeah, yeah it's, yeah, still well, ridiculous. None, somebody, nonetheless. somebody probably said Venus. I just didn't run across it. <laughs> I, I didn't see it, but yeah, uh, well, probably somebody at some point I would imagine. Yeah. Well, that's that's pretty much all I had for this one. Did you guys have any other final closing comments? I guess. Well, I guess we could do our like in summary, like what we all think. We we do that usually. So I guess I'll start it off as saying, um, I think I don't know what it was, but I don't think it was a terrestrial craft. There was definitely a physical object there. That's pretty much cannot be disputed. So I think this is a really excellent case for some sort of extraterrestrial visitor. Why not? Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree with that. Yeah, and as far as my opinion goes. I think, uh, you know, the impression that I got from Lonnie Zamora is it is I, I do believe I genuinely believe that he's an honest person 
he doesn't seem to have the the usual harm hallmarks of somebody who's trying to benefit from something like this. Like I said before, uh, which which gives him more credit, I think. You know, and there's also the uh, supporting cast. I guess I guess you could say of people that were there immediately uh, after the incident, after after you know, um, you know, he, he observed this. You know, so the evidence, as far as like you know the um, the people around it that had witnessed the evidence. On, on, on site, as far as, you know, the, the burnt bushes, you know, the, uh, the indentations in the ground where, you know, the legs of the landing craft, um, had, had, uh, came down, you know, um, it's all, I think pretty solid because they all seem pretty genuine about it. And, and all those people seem to say the same thing and are of the same opinion that, you know, Lonnie Zamora, you know, seem to be telling the truth. And uh, they didn't find anything to discredit him at all at any point, you know? So, in my opinion, I think that Lonnie Zamora saw something for sure. Whether it be a UFO with aliens in it or, you know, a, a, a UFO craft that was experimental or something that the, the United States uh, military had, you know... Um, Yet to disclose... Well, well, not not just yet to well, yeah, sure, yet yet to disclose, but they had you know, uh, you know, they, they they had basically like you know, um, made work, you know, <laughs> you know, it was it was a uh, Frankenstein oh. of a vehicle, maybe you know, like I was talking about before, bet, yep. where like you know, that's why maybe they had the uh, the rocket on the bottom to help them land or something or take off, but but anyway, anyways, um, I think it's uh, more likely. That it was aliens, to be to be honest, because um, of his observation of those those small figures, and how they didn't, you know, they looked humanoid in form, but as far as their size, it, it wouldn't line up with, you know, at the at the most, he said that they 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 were like uh, large large children, so maybe you know, um, a medium sized teenager, a young teenager, maybe, you know what I mean? Mm. So so if. if I, I, to me, that says it, it's more likely that what he the the figures he saw were aliens, in my opinion. So that that's that's my opinion. Yeah, that's why I lean on. Oh all man, right, right there. Oh. Agent Kruger. I was just gonna say it's hard to top that one. I totally agree with what uh, Agent ETA stated. Um, I believe uh, that this was an incident um, that truly happened, and Zamora being a credible witness. Uh, I mean, this entire time, what you notice in people that will usually fess up, or at least you see more inconsistencies with their stories, is how eager they are to describe their story, or how they are just, you know, they have a character that comes out when they're describing their, their events, or what have you. Um, Zamora, Lonnie... Or the story changes. Yeah, that's why that's the inconsistencies start to spill out. Um but like you know, uh, Lonnie has been cool, calm, and collective this entire time. And I have family. If you guys don't know about this, uh, Agent Anderson and Agent uh, ETA that are uh, law enforcement. And you know, they when they're telling a story or if they're uh, not BSing you, you can tell it right away. They're people that they don't tend to mess around. And you know, Lonnie does strike me as that. The typical red-blooded American, you know. So it's just, um, I, I, I find it hard to believe that Lonnie is making all this up, or he hallucinated it. So yeah, I believe it as well. 
All right. Well, I guess that just about wraps it up for this episode. Thanks for listening. You can follow the show on Twitter at AlienConPod. We also have an email address, AlienConPod at ProtonMail.com. We would love to hear from you. If you enjoyed the show, you can really help us out by leaving a review, liking the show, or suggesting it to your friend.